0: So we're reading Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone
1: Thank you so much that you are good. Thank you that you speak to us uh, in the Bible, in your word. And thank you for Jesus, who shows us that uh, that he beats sin and that we can trust him when we are tempted to sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, if you couldn't tell, today's sermon is all about temptation. Now... We're all faced, we've all faced temptation before, haven't we? You know, when you have the desire to think or do something that we know is wrong or is unwise. Uh, I remember I was looking forward to my fourth birthday, uh, and my mum promised me that she would bake me a rainbow cake. Now, you're probably imagining like a rainbow cake, like you slice into it and there's like a rainbow. Uh, It it wasn't that sophisticated. It was a rainbow cake that she she would make a cake, she would put icing on it, and then she would get uh, colored M&Ms and draw a rainbow with the M&Ms. So this isn't the cake that I had. Um, This one looks a little bit better than the one I had, but you you get the idea, right? Like, you know, the M&Ms kind of dot around to make a rainbow. Uh, Of course, if you want to do that, you need to buy lots of M&Ms and you need to make sure you have the right colors for the rainbow. And so for weeks leading up to my birthday, she would buy packets of M&M's, and she would tell me that she's saving all the colored ones for my rainbow cake, Uh, which meant that if I wanted to eat M&M's, I could only eat the brown ones. (laughs) And so uh, she told me, you are not allowed to eat any other colored M&M's, only the brown ones. And you know how, when you're told not to do something, that makes you really, really want to do it? So every time I would uh, you know, open the packet of M&Ms, I would see all the bright colors, you know, red and yellow and green and orange and blue and then brown. Um, every time I would be really tempted to eat any M&M apart from the brown M&M. Of course, it was only a little bit later that I realized that brown M&M's taste exactly the same as colored M&M's, but my almost four-year-old brain didn't know that. Uh, We've all faced temptation, haven't we? Um, And and temptation in the Christian life is no different. Uh, We face all sorts of temptations every day uh, where we have the desire to think or do something that we know is sinful and goes against what God says. Uh, We are tempted to do what we want to do and not listen to our parents. We are tempted to be selfish, to think only about ourselves and not think about other people. We are tempted to be greedy, you know, to to keep all of the colored M&Ms to yourself and not not share what you've been given uh, with other people. Uh, We are tempted to be angry and upset when we don't get what we want. We are tempted to be jealous of others when they have something that we don't have. We are tempted to lie, to cover up the truth, because it makes us look or feel better. And even if you love Jesus and want to follow him with your life, you will often give in to temptation and sin. You'll think and do things that are wrong and sinful and go against God. And when you do, feelings of guilt and shame and powerlessness creep into your heart, causing you to doubt whether or not you really do love Jesus and whether or not he really loves you. So, What are we to do as Christians when faced with temptation? Perhaps we can learn something about that from our Bible passage this morning as we see Jesus faced with temptation. You see, Jesus is fully human, just like us. He had flesh on his bones, um, and he faced the temptation to sin just like us. But unlike us, Jesus never Gave in to temptation. And Jesus never sinned. This story from Matthew's gospel that we're going to look at will show us how Jesus responded when he was tempted to sin. And it will also show us why we need to follow Jesus when we are faced with temptation. Uh, and so keep, uh, keep your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we'll, and we pick up the story from last week. Uh, You remember last week we had John the Baptist, he's he's preaching in the wilderness, he's baptizing people in the Jordan River, and then Jesus appears and asks John to baptize him. And so uh, just like some people will uh, later today, Jesus gets dunked into the water by John, and when he comes up from the water, the voice of God declares that this Jesus is his beloved son. God identifies Jesus As the Son of God. Uh, Now it's important uh, before we move on to clarify here what Son of God actually means. Now, Son of God is actually another way that we speak about the Messiah or the Christ or the chosen one, the anointed one. Uh, It's another way of saying that uh, uh, we're referring to God's chosen servant and king. Uh, In the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel, God's special chosen people, uh, were referred to as son of God, because they were God's chosen people. They were God's chosen servants. And so, when Jesus gets baptized and he comes up, God calls him the son of God. And then, as soon as Jesus is identified as the son of God, we read in Matthew chapter four, verse one, that he is led by the Spirit. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at at the beginning of chapter 4. Now it's, it's clear in, uh, in verse 1 that God intended for this to happen. This wasn't an accident uh, because Matthew specifically says that Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Uh, this is God's intention for, God, uh, for Jesus to go into the wilderness to be tempted. But it is also clear that God is not the one who tempts Jesus. Can you see that there in verse 1? Matthew specifically says that Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, we're not told specifically why this happens to Jesus, why Jesus is tempted. Uh, But if you think about it, given that he's just been identified as the Son of God, Uh, And given what's about to come next, uh, the outcome of Jesus' uh, temptation is that Jesus' identity as the Son of God is going to be tested. Jesus' identity as the Son of God is going to be tested. In fact, the devil tempts uh, Jesus twice by challenging him to prove that he is indeed the Son of God. And by the end of this story it will be clear that Jesus is truly the Son of God. And he will prove it by the way he resists the temptation of the devil. And so we're going to look at each of the devil's temptations in turn to see how it is that, uh, firstly, that the devil tries to challenge Jesus' identity and then see how Jesus turns that challenge around to prove that he is the Son of God. And as we go through each of those temptations, we're going to learn more about how the devil tries to tempt us to sin and then how we can respond with Jesus' help. So uh, have your Bibles there ready. We're going to look at the first attempt there uh, in verses 1 to 4. Verse 2 actually sets up the scene for us. Uh, Jesus has been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. Now, there's an obvious echo here of Israel's wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, And when when Israel wandered in the wilderness, that's where God tested their hearts to see whether they would remain faithful and obedient to him. Uh, And you may remember from our Deuteronomy series earlier this year uh, that the first generation of Israel, they failed the test. Now, another son of God uh, has been in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. the question is, how will this son of God respond when he is tested? Uh, now, I think about tests, right? Uh, I know a lot of the uni students have, uh, and all of the high school students have finished their end-of-year exams. Uh, most of us prefer to be tested when we're at peak performance, you know? Uh, the night before an exam, you make sure you get enough sleep, uh, the morning of the big game or the competition, you make sure that you have a, have a nice, hearty breakfast, uh, you're well hydrated. Uh, and we do this so that you know, our minds are sharp, our bodies are ready to respond to whatever tests and challenges that lie ahead. But what about when you're hungry? Most of us are not at our best when we're hungry. Uh, even the most self-controlled person falls into temptation when they do the grocery shopping on an empty stomach. Now, Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. And in that whole time, he has been without food. He has not been eating. Now, 40 days is a long time. Now, If you think about it, if today is day 40 of your fast, that means that you have not eaten since the end of October. You've been fasting for longer than Joe and Jordan have been married. <laughs> the point is, Jesus is hungry, which means his body is weak. And the tempter knows this. And so he approached Jesus and says this. If you are the Son of God, sorry, could you get that on the screen? If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Just imagine the smell of a freshly baked loaf of bread. Just you've been hungry for forty, you just want to dig in, right? And, and you know, at first glance, uh, the devil's challenge seems quite reasonable. You know, why would it be wrong for someone who is hungry to go and get himself some food? But there's more to the tempter's question than meets the eye. What is it that the devil is really asking Jesus? Uh, is the devil asking Jesus to prove that he is the Son of God by demonstrating that he can turn stones into bread? It, you know, Is it that Jesus has to prove that he has some sort of magical power to be able to, to turn stones into bread? Is that, is that what the devil is asking? Well, it's probably not. You know, he, he wouldn't try to tempt Jesus into doing something that he couldn't do. You know, if, the, if the devil would try to tempt me to sin, he wouldn't ask me to turn stones into bread. That's something I cannot do. Uh, I'm sure there are people who can turn bread uh, into stones if they really, really tried hard enough. But definitely not the other way around, right? Uh, the desire to turn stones into bread is only a temptation to Jesus because he can actually do it. The devil knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't need Jesus to prove to him that he can turn stones into bread. So what is it that the devil is trying to get Jesus to do? Well, he's trying to tempt Jesus to use his power as the Son of God to satisfy his hunger. To satisfy his hunger. Now, Now again, we ask ourselves, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? What's so sinful about getting something to eat? Well, remember who the Son of God is meant to be. He is God's chosen servant. He's God's chosen servant, which means he does not use his power or his position to just do whatever he wants. He doesn't pick up a stone and turn it into bread just because he's hungry. That's not what the Son of God does. No, whatever the Son of God does, He does because He trusts and obeys God. And so if the Son of God were to take matters into His own hands and use His power for His own selfish gain, then He's basically saying to God, You know what? I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart. I'm not going to obey you. I'm going to do things my own way. That, that's, what, uh, that's what the Son of God will be saying. You see, the, the, the tricky and deceitful thing about the devil's temptation is that if Jesus were to turn those stones into bread, then he would prove that he is in fact not the true Son of God. You see how tricky the devil is? Of course, Jesus sees through the tempter's deception And he responds in verse 4 by quoting from the Old Testament, uh, specifically from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When Jesus quotes this, he's referring to Israel's time in the wilderness, the time 40 years in the wilderness, where their only source of food uh, was the manna, that God provided to them each morning. Uh, the manna was the, the thing that, uh, that ca- kind of appeared on the ground every morning and Israel were to collect it and then they could bake it into bread. Um, and that was only there because God provided it to them. Uh, and during that time, we, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see that during that time, God let Israel go hungry and then provided them with food. Uh, why did he do that? He did did that to teach them that what was most important in life uh, was that they trusted and obeyed God. And so Jesus expresses his trust and obedience in God when he resists the temptation to turn the stones into bread to satisfy his hunger in the wilderness. And when he does so, he proves that he is truly the Son of God. Uh, So that's the first temptation. And before we move on, I want us to consider how we might be tempted in a similar way. How we might be tempted in a similar way. How does the tempter tempt us to rely on ourselves instead of trusting and obeying God? So often uh, it is through appealing to our physical wants and needs. Uh, And what's the result? Well, the result is that we often take matters into our own hands. And what that looks like is is, is we pour our efforts into our studies. We direct our focus onto our careers. We prioritize our comfort and security. We compromise in our relationships. We pursue joy and satisfaction in worldly and temporary things. And we do all of these things at the expense of trusting and obeying God. What does Jesus say here to those under temptation? Do not live by bread alone, or by wealth alone, or by success alone, or relationships alone, or comfort alone. Because if you have those things without God... You will not live. Instead, trust God and the promises He speaks. Trust God. Let's move on now to the devil's second attempt. Uh, If you look there in verse 5, the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem and he says, again, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down. Uh, He's at the top. Uh, The idea is that the devil is trying to get Jesus to jump off. um, And the devil says, uh, you know, before Jesus can kind of quote scripture to him again, the devil this time throws a scripture reference of his own. Uh, This time quoting from Psalm 91, uh, which speaks of God's promise to protect those who trust him. So the idea is that, you know, if you're the son of God, jump down because God will... If you trust God, God will protect you. God will save you. Do you see see what the devil now is trying to do this time around? Uh, In the previous temptation, Jesus resisted it uh, and proved that he is the true Son of God. How? Uh, By expressing trust in God. And so this time, the devil once again challenges his identity as the Son of God uh, this time by tempting him to jump off the top of the temple to prove his trust in God. You know, you, you say you trust God, all right, prove it. Jump off this temple. Now, you can imagine how the devil goes, might think, you know, yeah, this, this is I've got him now, I've backed Jesus into a corner. You know, because if Jesus doesn't do it, then the devil uh, will be like, see, you don't trust God. You don't even trust God to save you. You can't even jump off uh, the the top of the temple and trust God to save you. Even though his word says that he will do it, you don't really trust God. But actually, uh, again, in a sneaky way, the devil actually wants Jesus to do it. The devil wants Jesus to jump off the temple because if the Son of God were to jump, God would remain faithful to his promise and save him. God God would do that. But in doing so, God will become the one who serves the Son rather than the Son serving God. You see why the devil actually wants Jesus to do it? So how does Jesus respond? Once again, he recalls Israel in the wilderness. Uh, And this time it's when Israel is in a place called Massah and they test God by demanding water to drink. You know, they're thirsty, they want water, and they go, God, give us water. Uh, Now, you might think that Israel demanding water was a sign that they trusted God. You know, God, I trust you to give me water, so give me water, and I want to drink. But actually, it was the opposite. Actually, it's the opposite. Israel tests God because they don't trust Him, because they didn't trust Him, even though they had seen him do so many wonderful and miraculous things up until this point. He had parted the Red Sea. Uh, you'd think he'd be able to give them water to drink. You'd think they would be able to trust him. But they don't. They test him instead. And so that's why in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, Moses says to Israel, uh, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him. At Massa. And this is the scripture that Jesus uses to respond to the devil's temptation. You see, Jesus doesn't need to test God because he actually does trust what Psalm 91 says about God, about his promise to protect. And so, because Jesus trusts God, he will not test him. You see, the Son of God. Is God's servant. When God protects, uh, he will do so in accordance with his will and purpose, not because he is tested into action. Jesus knows this, which means that on this occasion, he will not put his life on the line. But there will come a point in his ministry where he will willingly put his life on the line. And at that point, it will be in full obedience to his father's will and purpose. That's the second temptation. Now, reflecting on this temptation for us, I wonder whether you've ever felt tempted to test God. You know it, it, it might not manifest in you climbing up to the roof of the church and, and jumping off you know to test God, but Perhaps you find that there are certain situations in which you're more willing to trust God. Certain situations where you're more willing to trust God. Perhaps you're more inclined to trust God when life is going well. You know, when you're getting good grades at school. I trust God. When you're hitting goals at work. When you're in a good place with your relationships. When you're comfortable in your spending. Or maybe you're more willing to trust God if He turns your life around. If He could just help you catch a break. If He could help you just mend this relationship. If He could bring healing to your condition. If He could provide you with this security and certainty. When that happens, we end up trusting God on our own terms. And only when He has done something to serve us. When you're tempted to withhold trust in God until he passes your test, Jesus tells us not to test God, but to trust him and his good plans and purposes. Because God's good plan and purpose is to protect you, is to save you, is to save you from sin, It's to save you from death which he ultimately achieves when Jesus gives his life on the cross. Well, we come now to the devil's final attempt. Uh, uh, And this time he just, he drops all pretense. He just just goes for it, right? In verse eight, the uh, the devil takes Jesus up to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and says to him, all these I will give you if you fall and down and worship me. You notice how this time he's dropped the if you are the son of God. He, he doesn't care anymore. He just, he just wants Jesus to go and worship him. You know, this is the all or nothing, come from behind, Hail Mary, last play. No more trick shots. No more sleight of hand. Uh, no more of you're the son of God. Just here is power and glory. Worship me and it's yours, Please. Now, even though there is no challenge to his identity, Jesus' response to this proves once again that he is truly the Son of God. You know, firstly, he tells Satan to just go away. Uh, and and, and he, he quotes again words from uh, Deuteronomy when he does so. And he recalls Israel again. And this time, it's Israel at the end of their wilderness journey, just like how Jesus is close to the end of his wilderness temptation. And Israel is preparing to enter their promised land. And the challenge to Israel uh, in this new land that they're about to go into is this. Uh, Moses says to them, Don't go after other gods, but worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Um, Obviously, we know that Israel doesn't listen to that. But Jesus does. Jesus succeeds in the wilderness where Israel fails. And as the true Son of God who worships and serves the one and only God, He eventually receives all the power and all the glory when He defeats Satan once and for all on the cross. When He is resurrected from the grave and when He declares on another high mountain, that all authority under heaven and earth has been given to him. A simple temptation uh, ends up coming up with a simple response. Go away. Worship God alone. Serve him only. Now, reflecting on this temptation, I'm struck by how this is Satan's most blatant and obvious temptation. And yet for us today, it is one of the most easy to succumb to. There are so many things of this world that Satan's offense to give us if we would just fall down and worship him. And you may not realize it, but when all your thoughts, when all your longings, all your decisions, all your efforts are focused on whatever glory Satan is holding out to you, then you've already fallen down in worship. For me, the temptation is to be good at what I do, or at least to be seen to be good at what I do, to be, to be seen as competent, uh, to be seen as successful, to be seen as high-achieving. What does that lead to for me? Uh, it leads to being a perfectionist and sometimes a bit of a workaholic. It leads to uh, foregoing rest and just pressing on. It leads to neglecting time with, with family and with friends. What about you? What glory is Satan offering to you? The, the, the tragic thing about, about this temptation is that Satan doesn't actually have the power and the authority to give you these things. His end game is not to, to give you glory, to give you power. His end game is that you would turn away from God and put your trust in anything or anyone else apart from from him. But here's the thing. Jesus overcomes Satan and demonstrates his power and authority as the true son of God. He does so here in the wilderness and he does so ultimately in his victorious resurrection where he beats sin and death once and for all. And because The sinless Savior died. Our sinful souls are counted free. If we have fallen down in worship of things other than God, then Jesus is there to pick us right back up, to forgive us our sins, and to present us to God free of guilt, free of shame, and holy. Loved. So, what do we take away from Matthew chapter 4 this morning? Well, the story of Jesus' temptation tells us three things about him. Firstly, Jesus faced temptation as one of us. Uh, In his human weakness, he faced temptation after temptation, which means he knows what it's like for us to face temptation because he did so himself. It means that he sympathizes with us in our weakness. He doesn't, he doesn't look down on us. He doesn't, he doesn't think he, uh, you know, we're beneath him. He knows what it's like. He sympathizes with you. Jesus faced temptation as one of us. Secondly, Jesus, when Jesus faced temptation, he shows us that it is possible to overcome it. You know, there, there was nothing supernatural about Jesus' obedience. Every response that Jesus gave was a word of scripture. Every word of scripture that he quoted were actually words that were addressed not to, the, not, not to Jesus, but to all of God's people. And so uh, when he quotes scripture, uh, he gives us the way to overcome temptation. He shows us that it is by worshiping God alone. It is by trusting God's promise to protect us. It is by trusting in the Son of God who died and rose again to save us. When Jesus faced temptation, he showed us that it is possible to overcome it. And thirdly, Jesus' response to temptation demonstrates that he is the true Son of God. It confirms that he has come not to serve himself, but to serve God by saving us. And his perfect obedience and sinlessness are crucial. They're so important because it is in his sinless death that he takes away our sin and satisfies God's justice. Such that when God looks upon the obedience of Jesus on the cross, he is pleased to pardon and forgive us for all the times that we have given into temptation and sin. All the times in the past, all the times in the present, and all the times in the future. If you're sitting here and feeling guilty and ashamed and powerless because you have given into temptation, then let me say this to you. Trust Jesus. Trust that He knows the struggle you face because He has experienced it Himself. Trust that He has shown us the way to overcome temptation, that it is possible to tell Satan to go away. It is possible to say no to sin. And most importantly, trust that you are forgiven because the sinless Savior died. So that your sinful soul will be counted free. Jesus beats sin. So trust Jesus when you are tempted. And when you do, he will remind you that you are forgiven. He will remind you that following him is worth far more than anything Satan can ever tempt you with. And he will help you to overcome temptation and to beat sin.